You are listening to Julia's Trucking Cafe News Hour. Julia's Trucking Cafe. I'm Julia, your host. How are you doing today? I'm glad you can join me. Take time out of your day to join me here on the cafe. As always, I have lots of news to get to. In our first story, inspectors sideline 13.5% of commercial vehicles in this last brake blitz for brake violations. The Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance, otherwise known as CVSA, released their results from the September brake-focused inspection campaign. On November 12th, the CVSA shared results from the Brake Safety Week in 2019, which was September 15th through the 21st, here in the U.S. and in Canada. During that safety check week, they inspected over 34,320 commercial vehicles. Of those inspected, 4,626, or it comes to 13.5%, were placed out of service for brake violations. This year, inspectors, inspectors, excuse me, were focused on the hoses and the tubing, or, yeah, the tubing. I was going to say lining, but that's not right. That's not correct. The CVSA shared a few key points of the data that they focused on from this report. Of the units all that were inspected, 2,567 of them had chafed rubber hose violations. 1,347 units had chafed thermoplastic hose violations. And 2,704 violations of Section 393.45 of the FMCSR and the Canadian equivalent violations included chafed rubber hoses. There were 1,683 violations of 393.45 of the FMCSR and Canadian equivalent violations that included kinked thermoplastic hoses. And uh, what I'm thinking is, and this is just my thought, the thermoplastic hoses are those curly Q hoses that are um, attached truck to the trailer the brake the the red and blue brake hoses is i'm thinking they call it thermoplastic the ones that snap really easy in the winter time that's what i'm thinking that's what they mean by thermoplastic and i could be wrong it will not be the first time quote from the article inspectors conduct more than four million roadside inspections every year and checking brake components is just one element of this procedure that inspectors perform on commercial vehicles every day, end quote, said President Sergeant John Samus with the Delaware State Police. Quote, the inspection enforcement event reminds drivers and motor carriers of the importance, I cannot talk today, of properly functioning brakes and spotlights, the work done by inspectors, motor carriers, and drivers every day to keep our roadways safe by ensuring vehicles are in appropriate working condition, end quote. The CVSA pointed to enforcement activities like the Brake Safety Week as a way to improve highway safety and cut down on risking truck fatalities. I quote, while we updated the decrease in the overall number of fatalities on our roadways last year, we are alarmed by the increase in the number of large truck-related fatalities, said Sergeant Samus. 
CVSA conducts high-profile, high-visibility enforcement events, such as this Break Safety Week, to reduce the number of fatalities occurring on our roadways. Roadway safety is our number one priority, and we will continue our efforts to improve brake safety throughout North America, end quote. And I say that in jest because you know that's like a form letter that he says that every single year that they've been doing this. During the safety week, it's said that 35,080 commercial vehicles were inspected and 4,955, 14.1% of those vehicles were taken out of service for, and that was in 2018. My bad. These numbers are from 2018. So it went down from 14.1% to 13.5%. Now a truck driver takes a panicky trip over Louisiana. I'll give you a little bit of my, you know, read on this article at the end of the article. A truck driver was caught on camera while white-knuckling his way across an unnerving I-10 bridge in Louisiana. The video features North Carolina truck driver Keverick Spencer as he crosses the Cassio River Bridge over I-10 in Lake Charles, 135 feet in the air and was constructed decades ago to allow ships to pass freely underneath. But the altitude can make for some tense moments of driving, particularly if you're in a truck. Nothing like exaggerating the whole thing. It's a damn bridge, okay? It's over a ship channel. Come on. Spencer spells out his anxiety about crossing the bridge in a commercial vehicle in the viral video clip that's in the bottom of this article. And if you want to laugh your ass off... You know, it, you can look at it, and I'll have it in the show notes. We're too high in the air. I can't see too much. S-H-I-T. Oh, God, it's water up underneath. Oh. And Spencer might be uh, have a right to be a little bit worried. The Calieso River Bridge opened to traffic in 1952 and was designed to carry 37,000 vehicles per day for 50 years. Now, in 2019, it carries approximately 80,000 vehicles per day. No worries, says the National Bridge Registry, rated the bridge a 6.6 out of 100. The Louisiana Department of Transportation insists that the bridge is safe. State officials are currently working on a funding plan for bridge replacement. And President Trump vowed to replace the bridge if he's re-elected after he personally traveled over it in May of this year. <laughs> That's one way to get our president to do something, huh? Carry his butt over the doggone bridge. But I, apparently this North Carolina driver, this is my little, you know, editorial here at the end of this article. Uh, and there's going to be another one about a different article in this segment of the show. Um, apparently, this North Carolina driver has never been along, uh, over the Huey P. Long Bridge in New Orleans, where it's two lane, in other words, one lane going each way, and you worry about smacking the driver coming at you, his left-hand mirror, with your left-hand mirror. That's how tight that bridge is. Then you'd have something to squeak about. Welcome to trucking, driver. That's all I have to say. And in other news, separate 75 and 50 vehicle pileups were reported in Ohio. Now, there again, I'm always a week behind in, in the news because I can't do it any faster unless I would 
do like a 20 minute show every single day uh, to keep up with everything. And maybe in the future, news starts getting a little bit too carried out, uh, out of hand or get out of hand, I should say. Maybe I might do that if there's like buku news going on. A winter storm in Ohio on November 12th, which is last week, Tuesday, resulted in a multiple, massive, multi-vehicle crash that continued to snarl traffic into the afternoon. On State Road 8 in Summit County, a pileup of 75 to 95 vehicles were reported following whiteout conditions on Tuesday morning from News 5 Cleveland. The pileup occurred on State Route 8 between Route 303 and Seasons Road. There's no word yet on whether anyone was injured uh, it's since it reopened at the time of this article. A second crash was reported on I-80 near Austintown, Ohio. This crash involved around 50 vehicles. There again, it wasn't clear anyone was injured. You could see the video at the bottom of this article of the 50 vehicle pileup. And on the Ohio Turnpike near Richfield, another major crash occurred in the westbound lanes during whiteout conditions that left one person dead as of 2 p.m. A single lane of the westbound Ohio Turnpike was open to traffic, and delays were about 25 minutes long then. So yeah, last week when that uh, storm front went through, it got pretty hairy in Ohio, apparently. And uh, dash cam footage shows how fast black ice can ruin your day. Now, this is a good learning tool if you're a newbie under several years out here and haven't really ran into black ice or winter conditions. really need you to look at this article. It'll be in the show notes. It'll have a link that you could view, you know, click on the article and you could see the video in this. Black ice, it is not something to play with. And you won't be able to see. And what this is for all the newbies out here, not for us old hands that know what it is. Uh, and this is the whole reason why I started this podcast as a reminder to teach the newbies out here. You're running along a stretch of road. The road is around 34, 35 degrees, and all of a sudden you come into a cold front. And you're not going to know until you start watching your temperature, which is the outside temperature on in your dash, which is in your LED display. It could drop from 35 to 29 in a heartbeat. It, the road may look wet. If you don't see any spray is the old general rule of thumb, then you're on ice. You need to ease off the foot feed and don't press on the brake and let the truck ease out, slow, slow down on its own. Where drivers get into a real problem is when you hit the brakes, tap on the brakes, anything, it'll cause you to jackknife. You do not touch the brakes. If you're running along a wet road and cars are passing you and you don't see spray coming off their tires, slow it the F down because you are uh, could be on ice. I'm not saying you are, but you very well possibly could be on ice. This is winter driving weather. Everybody, and I mean foreign nationals, everybody out of California that don't deal with winter driving needs to slow their asses down. Anybody that's listening to this show, you need to slow the F down in bad weather. Period. Fog, bad weather, heavy rain. Just slow it the hell down because you'll be out of it in 30 minutes 
you could slow down for 30 damn minutes. Or you want to have somebody, somebody's death and somebody's dead body on your conscience for the rest of your driving career and lose your CDL? Hey, then go 100 mile an hour down the interstate, you know? All right, I'm done preaching. So that's that article. Next, a truck driver's no match for an icy hill. It was bad weather. It was a rough day for a truck driver that failed to climb up a hill because he was slipping and sliding. He lost the battle on Monday on Lakeshore Drive in Decatur, Illinois. And it was when it was slammed by uh, winter weather last week. So there's a lot of stories about pileups and everything else. The next three stories are all about the winter weather that happened in Ohio. So it's, it's going to be, I'll have all these articles in here to for you to look at. I definitely, you know, come check out the show notes. There's also going to be a link in the description on my website. Just click on my Facebook link. When you see this on Facebook, on the cafe Facebook page, click on the link. Come over here. Look at the description. I'll have a little link in there to the show notes. Come over here and look at these articles. Look at the watch the videos. It's definitely a learning experience or a refresher for everybody. Okay, in other news, police find $2.4 million in drugs in a semi-truck and arrest 11 people in connection with the long-haul drug ring in New York. Police arrested 11 people who they say are conspiring to transport trucks loads of deadly drugs across the country. On November 7th, the DA of Queens County announced the following two-year investigation. 11 people have been arrested and variously charged with drug trafficking, conspiracy, criminal possession of a controlled substance, and a bunch, a boatload, truckload of other crimes. The DA describes it as follows. Let me read this to you. According to the charges between July 2018 and September 2019, Giovanni Arias with his co-defendants operated a nationwide drug enterprise utilizing long-haul truck drivers. Defendants Mariko Arvalio and Alexis, boy, they got some names, Victorio, who allegedly transported drugs from the southern border of California to New York City, including Queens County. The tractor trailers allegedly hauled heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, and carfentanil. It's C-A-R in fentanyl, a drug known to be a hundred times more deadlier than fentanyl. Continuing, according to the indictment, said acting D.A. Ryan, on July 21, 2018, Arias allegedly directed defendant John Parega to make a pickup on the 22nd from a truck stop in New Jersey. Uh, John was followed from that truck depot and stopped on Van Wick Expressway Service Road at Jewel Avenue later that day. Law enforcement exec executed a court-ordered search warrant for the vehicle John was driving, and police allegedly recovered 30 pounds of 37 pounds of fentanyl along with just over two pounds of ketamine that was concealed in a hidden compartment in the floor under the front passenger seat they're getting trickier and trickier with this stuff you know it 
On October 29th of 2018, Arias is alleged to have directed co-defendant Victor Salazar to pick up 35 pounds of cocaine and more than 4 pounds of heroin from another rest stop in New Jersey. Salazar was stopped by police afterwards in Astoria, Queens, and allegedly recovered the drugs hidden in a minibar refrigerator box in the back seat of the car. Acting D.A. Ryan added that, according to that indictment, on April 17, 2019, in a movie theater parking lot in Linden, New Jersey, defendant Aravalo delivered a black duffel bag from the cab of his truck to co-defendant Esteriano Lopez, who took the bag to a stash house in Springfield Gardens, Queens, where Arias Associates, defendants Carlos Hidalgo and Armando de Jesus Moreno Perez, doesn't remember the names, as Dan Bongino says in another podcast I listened to. That Jesus Moreno Perez, I reported on him before about getting picked up, were allegedly waiting to receive the drugs. At that time, Arias allegedly directed another co-defendant, Hector Marin, I remember him too, to come to the Queen's Dash House to cut and repackage the narcotics. According to the charges on April 18th of 2019, members of the NYPD Major Case Squad executive executed, I'll read eventually, I'll talk right yet, (sighs) executed a court-authorized search warrant for the stash house and allegedly recovered the black duffel bag along with 10 cylindrically shaped packages containing a total of 11 pounds of a combination of carafentanil and fentanyl. Law enforcement also allegedly recovered one kilogram brick, about two pounds, of fentanyl, which was stamped with the logo of UAE, Abu Dhabi Police Department, and the words, quote, good quality, end quote, in Arabic. A digital scale, plastic heat sealer, and over a pound of a cutting agent were also found. On September 25, 2019, according to the charges, said acting DA Ryan, Arias alleged to have directed another long-haul truck driver, Alexis Victorero, to deliver a drug shipment from California to the New York area, working in cooperation with the Clarkstown Police Department. Defendant Victorero's truck was stopped by police just before hitting the Tapid Z. Mario Cuomo Bridge, yeah, they changed Tapid Z Bridge to Mario Cuomo Bridge in Nyack, New York. K-9 uh, searched the truck's cab and allegedly recovered over 28 pounds of cocaine, more than 2 pounds of mixture of fentanyl and tramadol, over 2 pounds of heroin, and over 1,500 counterfeit oxycodone pills containing fentanyl. Clarkstown police, who insist, assisted in Victorero's arrest, say that the drugs discovered in his truck were worth an estimated total $2.4 million. He had been charged with first-degree criminal possession of a controlled substance and is being held on a $250,000 bond. Acting DA Ryan said, quote, The main defendant in this case operated a complicated, illegal network of dealers and traffickers who pumped deadly drugs which continue to contribute to the opioid epidemic in our communities. Although it is commonly known that this epidemic is fueled by the rise in fentanyl trafficking, the main defendant and his associates are also charged with trafficking 
carfentanil, another synthetic opioid, a hundred times more potent than fentanyl. The seizure of 11 pounds of carfentanil from these defendants represents the largest seizure of its kind and has certainly resulted in saving lives. This long-term investigation has dismantled this drug-peddling crew and also resulted in taking deadly drugs and firearms off of our streets. I want to commend the members of the NYPD Major Case Squad for their hard work on this investigation. This office will continue to work with our law enforcement partners to stop criminals in their tracks and to keep our community safe. Phew! That took up most of that show. Sorry, that was a long-winded one, but, you know, I like to get all of the... don't want to give you half of a story, so I like to get all of the information out to you about what is going on in trucking. And Trucker Sue California, in other news, over a labor law that threatens seven, what they say, 70,000 owner-operators. The lawsuit argues that AB5 infringements on interstate commerce threatens the ability of approximately 70,000 independent truckers within the state to earn a living. Yeah, most of them are, are um, foreign nationals. Sorry to tell you. The California Trucking Association, also known as CTA, filed a law, federal lawsuit in California to try to stop an impending law that they say threatens the livelihood of tens of thousands of truck drivers. On Tuesday, November 12th, the CTA and two California-based owner-operators filed suit in U.S. District Court of Southern California, asking the court to block Assembly Bill 5, or otherwise known as AB5. This goes into effect January 1st of 2020. This would enforce many companies that employ independent contractors to reclassify these workers as employees who are entitled to minimum wage and workers' compensation. An employer who violates AB5 would risk costly fines. The CTA's lawsuit argues that AB5 infringes on interstate commerce and threatens the ability of approximately 70,000 independent truckers within the state to earn a living. The suit also points out that many California owner-operators have spent thousands of dollars on CARB-compliant trucks, an investment they say AB5 would render useless. Under AB5, a worker must place, pass the ABC test to be labeled as an independent contractor, meaning the worker must be free from control of the company, worker must perform work outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business, and the worker must be engaged in independently established trader business of the same nature as the work that they are performing. CTA CEO Sean Yadon said, Independent truckers are typically experienced drivers who have previously worked as employees and have, by choice, struck out on their own. We should not deprive them of that choice. We can protect workers from misclassification without infringing upon independent truckers' right to make a living in California. And so we'll see what goes on with that. And Pennsylvania DOT rolls out a new truck restriction program. The PennDOT, short for Pennsylvania DOT, is looking ahead to winter weather and rolling out a pilot program that will restrict travel lanes for commercial vehicle drivers. Oh, great. Some more restrictions we got in Pennsylvania. Just lovely. 
The new Pennsylvania DOT program will restrict semi-trucks to the right lane any time that the weather is bad enough to lower the speed limit to 45 miles an hour, according to their local news outlet. The new lane restriction for trucks will be put into place during the next winter weather event that results in a reduced speed limit, like between now and like March. The new truck restriction is intended to prevent traffic backups during winter weather events. PennDOT's James May said, quote, We're hoping it's a good compromise where they could still keep moving. They could still be out there and make a living and keep the commerce going, but also do so that it's safe for the public, end quote. Last winter, PennDOT issued multiple truck travel bans due to inclement weather that completely restricted commercial vehicle travel on certain roadways. During these truck bans, Pennsylvania troopers aggressively patrolled restricted roadways and handed out hundreds of $300 citations for violating the ban. You can take a look at the report below that will be again be in this article. PennDOT rolls out new truck restriction program. Uh, link in the show notes. Julia's Trucking Cafe is brought to you by My Patriot Supply. As truck drivers, we all know what it's like to get stuck at a shippers or receivers with no food in your truck. My Patriot Supply helps you stay prepared. Now it's not what you're thinking. My Patriot Supply is delicious emergency food. They have food kits that are good up to 25 years. And they come in a slimline tote. Especially with the cold weather setting in, you never know when an interstate's going to get shut down due to bad accident or ice or uh, the snow coming in. It's always good to stay prepared with extra food in your truck. Now, my Patriot Supply uh, has food kits, gluten-free, and a real cool week supply as breakfast, lunch, and dinners in a real neat-looking ammo can for just $39. They're foil pouches, Ziploc, that you don't have to make the whole pouch. I have some underneath my bunk, and let me tell you, they're delicious. I went through Hurricane Katrina back in 2005. I went for 10 days without power, me, my son, and I. If it wasn't for the MREs that were flown in, we wouldn't have had any food. My mom was in her 80s at the time. My son was just a tiny tot. And I got a heck of, boy, did I lose the weight. Got a heck of a workout during those 10 days. 100 degree heat, no air conditioning. You know, kids nowadays got it good. Always, but I digress, always stay prepared with a little bit of food underneath the bunk of your truck. It, like I said, that ammo can is good for up to a week. And it's really delicious food. Well, how do you get some? Go to my website, juliastruckatcafe.com. Click on the emergency food supply tab and scroll down and pick out what you want. It'll take you to website for more information. The prices are really, really reasonable. You don't have to get a whole, you know, 100 meals. Just Start out with a $39 one. I mean, we spend $39, 40 bucks in a truck stop for two doggone meals in a restaurant. You have to have emergency food, you know, and the stuff would go bad to your refrigerator. It only go lasts me for about a week before I got, I pitch out more food than what I eat, bread or eggs or whatever. 
so I have food in the truck. Because you never know when you're going to be in a situation that you can't leave and you're, they're in the middle of loading you and, oh, the assembly line breaks down or they run out of product or, you know, it's always something can happen. So go to juliastruckacafe.com, my website, click on the emergency food supply tab and get your My Patriot Supply today. It always pays to stay prepared. Now let's get back to the news. Two are killed in a pileup that shut down I-75. In Florida, police say that two people, including a truck driver, are dead and five others were injured in a major pileup involving eight vehicles on the previous week, Wednesday night. And this was on the, yeah, the 13th of November, I'm sorry. The crash was reported around 6.30 in the evening on the northbound lanes of I-75 near Tampa. Several vehicles slowed in the outside lanes of 75 near mile marker 272 for, I guess, slow traffic. Police say that the semi-truck driver didn't slow down in time and tried to take evasive action into the center lane but still crashed into several vehicles, including a second semi-truck, then hit a concrete pillar supporting an overhead highway sign. You know, those concrete pillars in the middle. A Mercedes was sandwiched in between the two trucks. Yeah. First semi-truck and the Mercedes both caught fire, and both of those drivers died. The Pasco County Fire Rescue says that a total of eight vehicles were involved in the pileup. At least five others were injured in this crash, and the pileup shut down North I-75 for hours for cleanup and investigation. All lanes were reopened for the morning rush hour on the next day for Thursday. And an oversized load was caught on traffic cam striking a bridge. In Wisconsin, police cited a truck driver after his overheight load smashed into an overpass. The bridge strike happened around 6.30 on November 13th when a truck hauling a large containment unit struck I-4394 overpass in Milwaukee. Two people in the oversized load escort vehicle suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Truck driver, 61-year-old Diego A. Contilio, was arrested and charged with operating an excess height vehicle without a permit operating an excessive width vehicle without a permit and spilling waste on the highway. And there's a video in this article that you could go ahead and view that'll be in the show notes. Yeah, that's like a huge major fine and prison time for that. Ooh, this driver, this accident is a, is a hell of a wreck. In this next article, a car swerves, sending a truck plunging off the overpass. A motorist sudden swerve into a truck caused it to crash off the roadway and plummet dozens of feet and killed the truck driver. The crash was caught on camera, there again, in November 13th in Slovenia and has gone viral worldwide. In the video, you can see a car swerve into a truck and sending the truck crashing through a guardrail and off the roadway, falling more than 60 feet to the ground below. So apparently, where I get my news from, the news outlet doesn't have anything better to um, report on than, you know, this happening 
you know, in another country. And this did not happen in the United States. This happened in Slovenia. Uber, get this, Uber Freight offers free ELDs for small carriers. But there's a catch. With a major electronic ELD deadline looming in just a few more weeks, Uber Freight is offering small carriers a free device and service in exchange for data. On November 15th blog post, Uber Freight unveiled and offered to provide free ELD devices along with a year of service to small carriers if carriers agree to share their telematics data with Uber Freight. To be eligible for the offer, carriers must operate 10-week 10, excuse me, or fewer trucks. Per the offer, the ELD devices and service will be provided by telematics provider Geotab. According to Geotab's blog post, a large amount of data can be collected by telematics device, including position, speed, trip distance, time, idling, harsh braking and driving, seatbelt, fuel consumption, vehicle faults, battery voltage, and other engine data, end quote. Uber's blog post explains that the offer is meant to help small carriers to continue growing in spite of the financial burden of becoming ELD compliant. So see, where there's a will, there's a way. They're going to turn around and get you to haul their freight, but give you this ELD and then really track you more than what the Qualcomm or people that or anything else are tracking you. That is a lot more information than what the people that and the ELDs are doing. Quote, in order to stay compliant with the changing requirements around electronic logging device, uh, affectionately known as ELD, carriers have had to adopt new operating costs in recent years. ELD equipment and accompanying service can cost carriers hundreds of dollars per week per year which is true, which could be significant for carriers with less capital, meaning, you know, less operating capital. For small carriers trying to grow a business, every expense counts, which, yes, it does, whether it's fuel, maintenance, or the cost of a new truck. So, see, they found a niche, and now they're wiggling on in, warming on into that niche. Everything we do at Uber Freight is designed to unlock opportunity for carriers from king and first payments to service discounts offered through our Plus program. They're also trying to pull in carriers to haul for them, too. I, I, could, I could just read in between the lines, I'm telling you. I've been doing this long enough. And the next story... <clears throat> Excuse me. I still am fighting this head cold. I've had it for a week, so you have to excuse me. I'm still fighting this crap. An illegal pass almost, almost ends in disaster. A Canadian truck driver captured a near head-on crash between another truck and a car on his dash cam. It was shared by at BC Trucker T, looks like, Trucker 1. On November 13th, can't read this morning. In the video, a truck passes a dash camera in a no passing zone and nearly smacks into an oncoming car. Easing up as I catch up to a snowplow, knowing not to pass until the plow signals it's safe, this clown tries to cause a major head on. You wonder why people are getting killed? And yeah, it was just, uh, not a spread axle, but it was a flatbed. You know, he wasn't hauling oversize or anything like that, but, and it was a, a two-lane mountain road. 
and they're trying, you know, to plow, and, uh, you know, this guy's impatient, and plows and damn near smacks somebody head on. And a trucker loses battle with a heavy cargo and lays it over. The driver said that he was unknowingly hauling heavy automotive engines with a high center of gravity placed directly over the kingpin fifth wheel deep inside the trailer. How could you not unknowingly, unless the trailer was dropped, you still should know on the bills what the heck you're hauling. How could you not know what the hell you're hauling inside that trailer? Irresponsible. I'm sorry, but... In this dash cam clip, a semi-truck driver experiences a frightening rollover crash. See, everybody now that has a webcam, they gotta post their videos. The video clip was sent in by a CDL Life reader, Peter, who explained the circumstances. Quote, over a year ago, in April, both my co-drive and I experienced a rollover in incident. Oh, now you're, you're first sending it in now? The entire truck was at a 40-ton legal limit and was not our first time operating a vehicle hauling a heavy loaded trailer. There were some heavy automotive engines with a high center of gravity placed directly over the fifth wheel deep inside the trailer. In other words, in the nose. People working at the wreck told me those heavy engines should have been loaded further away from the drive tires toward the trailer doors. My co-driver and I picked up the trailer with a numbered seal already applied to the door latch with no way to tell how our cargo was distributed that day. After an investigation and due to what was actually deep inside the trailer without my knowledge, I was told it was non-preventable and kept my job for another year as a company driver. I'm, he's no longer driving with a clean record and mostly unemployable as a trucker only because the official written report described it as leaving the road first and then rolling the vehicle onto the grass. I'll find a different career, but wish to share my story and dashcap footage before I move on and keep going and really hope it helps in some way. Um, that stays on, if I'm not mistaken, even though it's, he doesn't, he says he's mostly unemployable. That's only for three years. Okay? You could find somebody, you know, if, you only kept your job for another year. You know, it says, it didn't say it was preventable. It said it was not preventable. You know, he could have kept his job. Well, I don't know if the circumstances, if he decided to quit or not or what, but, excuse me, but it's a stay on your record for three years and then fall off. I have a ticket that's on, that I smacked the guardrail. Well, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I had to turn out and turn back to the left. And by the time you could turn out the seat to the right, you turn back to the left and you're staring at the guardrail. And I tagged the guardrail. I thought I missed it. Well, you know, the officer put on the doggone incident um, in attended driving. And nobody will touch me now. I have 30 years experience and no company will touch me now because of that. But it's going to fall off in July. And stay tuned. I'll tell you next year if it falls off or not. <laughs> Make sure that I'm right. So let's get back to the news. A car driver gets an embarrassing lesson on why you don't ignore pilot cars. Pilot cars meeting or oversized load. They're saying pilot cars here. Apparently she doesn't know what an escort is. An escort car. So in the picture in this article, they have two escort cars. They're moving 
a half a house across a two-lane bridge. And the car jumps the line to run up, go, what the hell is everybody waiting for? And here comes the oversize. And take it up the whole bridge. Yeah, well, she has to back up to get the hell out of its way. Um, it was caught in British Columbia. And um, it was in a small farming town. So, yeah. You don't... When somebody's coming at you in an oversized load, and, and this is for the newbies out there, you, you don't, you know, try to race the escort vehicle. It just... No, it doesn't work. And 19 people got hurt after a bus slammed into an overturned mail truck, splitting it in half. And boy, is there crap everywhere on the highway, according to this picture. And the whole front of the bus is gone. Virginia State Police say that nearly 20 people were hurt in a charter bus versus a truck crash that happened uh, Sunday. And that was the 17th. It happened about 4.30 in the morning, eastbound on I-64 at mile marker 100 outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. I was just passing through there on Sunday morning. Actually, I just... I was on my way to Richmond. So I was right on 64, and it was really foggy through there. The crash began when a truck hauling mail overturned on I-64 during inclement weather. An oncoming charter bus was not able to stop in time and struck the mail truck, splitting the truck into two pieces. Virginia State Police say that 19 people were hurt in the crash, including the 44-year-old truck driver and the 62-year-old bus driver. It was fog and icy conditions were to blame on I-64. Yeah, I went through there, and it was really foggy, but everybody was flying. So, yeah, I can attest to that. It was bad that morning, because I had to deliver out in Richmond. So, anyway. Now we have a recall. And as you know, every time I see something come out, that's why I'm doing this show, any kind of recalls, defects, anything like that, ears better perk up, see if it's your truck or not. Over 3,600 trucks are recalled for steering defects that could cause a crash. They're still doing that? They were doing that a few months back. Daimler and Western Star. Certain models of 2020 Western Star. 4,700 vehicles for a steering shaft that had been improperly installed, potentially causing a loss of connection between the steering wheel and the front axles. The recall affects 1,331 trucks. It's expected to begin just before Christmas. Dobler says that they will contact truck owners and provide repairs for their steering defect free of charge. Volvo Trucks North America also issued a recall for certain 2020 VNL and VNR vehicles equipped with HD. 94 Shepard gear variants. Volvo says that the steering gear mounting fasteners may be insufficiently tightened, allowing the steering gear loosen, resulting in a loss of control of the vehicle and an increased risk of crash. This is why you do a good pre-trip inspection. What this is, there again, I'm saying this for the newbie drivers. 
you roll, open up your hood or roll your hood is what us old drivers call it. On the driver's side, you have a shaft that comes down from the firewall, down to your front tire. You take your hand with a glove on your hand and you wiggle that steering rod. Okay, that is a steering shaft, steering rod, they call it. You wiggle that really good. Make sure it's tight that you can't move it. If you can start moving it, that means it's loosening up. You need to have it fixed. And it could be under this warranty deal that it wouldn't cost you anything. Along with checking your fluids, checking your belts, checking your brakes, front brakes and everything, your shocks, and, and the rest of your pre-trip inspection. But don't forget to check that steering arm, steering shaft, and make sure it's tight. This, the Volvo recall, affects 2,287 trucks. The recall for this defect was expected to begin November 15th. Volvo will inspect affected trucks and, if necessary, provide a free repair. So, in other words, you find that being starting to loosen, take it to Volvo, let them inspect it. That would be the best because our us drivers, unless you are a ASC certified mechanic, you know, you could just um, diagnose it. But, you know, unless you're one of my uh, listeners out here that works on his own truck, <laughs> won't mention any names, Mr. Holling, and, um, you know, then I'm sure he can, he's savvy enough to, to go ahead and fix it. But if it's under warranty, I'd go ahead and let the um, Dobbler or Volvo or Western Star fix it. And a proposed DOT ad campaign to lure more workers to transportation. The focus of the ad campaign is to affect large and more diverse workforce to trucking, aviation, and other transportation industries. A newly introduced bill would attempt to grow the U.S. transportation workforce through an advertising campaign. A newly introduced bill would attempt to grow the U.S. transportation workforce through an advertising campaign. Quote, Promoting Service and Transportation Act, H.R. 5118, was introduced on November 15th by Representatives Rick Larson, Don Young, and Angie Craig. This bill would attempt to attract workers to transportation careers by allowing U.S. Department of Transportation, affectionately known as DOT, to, quote, develop a series of broadcast, digital, and print media public service announcement campaigns to promote job opportunities and improve diversity in the transportation workforce, end quote. According to a press release from Larson's office, public service campaigns created by DOT would have two functions. One, promote career opportunities in the transportation sector, including pilots, safety inspector, mechanics, technicians, air traffic controllers, flight attendants, truck drivers, engineers, transit workers, railroad workers, and other transportation professionals. Two, increase diversity, including race, gender, ethnicity, and socioeconomic status of professionals in the transportation sector. Lawmakers say that many sectors in transportation, including trucking, need more workers to stay competitive. Oh, is this their nice little way of saying that there's a truck driver shortage? I think not. Quote, 
The need for more professional airline pilots, air traffic controllers, railroad workers, truck drivers, mechanics, among other professions, grows as industry stakeholders face increased competition worldwide. For instance, the aviation industry will need more than 800,000 pilots, 769,000 technicians, and nearly 20,000 air traffic controllers to meet demand over the next 10 years. Trucking industry needs 60,000 to 100,000 more drivers each year. Each year. Oh, BS. Not only does the transportation workforce face significant shortages. Yeah, see? See? What did I tell you? There is also a diversity issue. Over 9% of professional airline pilots and truck drivers are white males. Yeah, okay. Well, there's another article that I'm going to be talking about here shortly that got me pretty hot. Anyway, I digress. Quote, in Washington State and across the country, transportation means jobs, said Larson. As demand continues to grow, it is important all Americans are aware of the career opportunities available in the transportation sector to grow the next generation workforce. I will continue working in Congress to make sure all Americans have access to good paying jobs and more skills training to succeed. While the bill points to a shortage of truck drivers in the U.S., trucking groups like OOID have for years argued that truck driver shortage is a myth, which it is. And the real problem is stagnant driver wages and high turnover, which there is. Alright. And a trucker accused of opening fire on another trucker in Michigan Police say that a truck driver has been charged for allegedly opening fire on another truck driver. This happened on November 15th at about quarter to one in the afternoon, Eastern Time. Monroe County Sheriff's Office says that two truckers were traveling on I-75 when one of the drivers opened fire on the other one. Uh, Can we say a little bit of road rage? The 68-year-old shooting victim called 911 to report that he had been shot at by another truck driver. But he wasn't injured. Police responded and located both truck drivers. Officers were able to find the bullet hole in the passenger door of the guy that got shot at. They also found a handgun in the shooter's truck. 50-year-old suspect driver was arrested as facing a charge of assault with intent to murder or assault with a deadly weapon. Police have not released information on what led up to the shooting. Road rage. I wouldn't doubt it. Road rage. Okay. And finally, a new bill would force FMCSA to figure out how to make trucking more female-friendly. And boy, do I got something to say about this article. According to the bill, women are 20% less likely than their male counterparts to be involved in a crash. This week, two U.S. senators introduced legislation, legislation, can I talk? ultimately designed to increase the number of women truckers on the road. On November 14th, bipartisan, quote, Promoting Women in Trucking Workforce Act was introduced by Senators Jerry Moran and Tammy Baldwin. Both them, uh, one, Jerry Moran is a Republican and Tammy Baldwin is a Democrat. It doesn't make any difference, but still. The bill would require FMCSA to establish a woman in truck of trucking advisory board. 
get this, Women of Trucking Advisory Board would be tasked with studying, quote, industry trends that directly or indirectly discourage women from pursuing careers in trucking, end quote. The board would also be required to look into how trucking companies, nonprofits, and trucking groups would expand opportunities in trucking for women. The bill would also require that the FMCSA report their findings and recommendations to the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science, and Transportation in the House of Representatives Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. The bill points to data that indicates that while women make up 47% of the United States labor force, they only represent 24% trucking workforce and only about 7% of drivers. The bill also says that women are 20% less likely than their male counterparts to be involved in a crash. Quote, in Wisconsin, we make things and we need to ensure we have a strong workforce to transport our goods to market, said Senator Baldwin. Quote, women currently make up less than 10% of trucking driving workforce and removing the barriers that get in the way of women pursuing and retaining careers in trucking is key. I'm proud to lead this bipartisan effort with Senator Moran because more job opportunities for women, Wisconsin women, will lead to more economic security for working families, end quote. Quote, as the trucking industry continues to face a driver shortage, we, there again, driver shortage, we need to examine new ways to recruit and retain drivers that are delivering Kansas goods across the country, said Senator Moran. Quote, because women are substantially underrepresented in the trucking industry, Congress should explore every opportunity to encourage and support the pursuit of careers in trucking by women. I'm proud to introduce this bipartisan and sensible bill with Senator Baldwin that will lead to new job opportunities for women and increase equality for women already in the trucking industry. Now, I do not know for sure, but I'm wondering if Women in Trucking Group has pushed for this legislation. Just saying. This is my, my, this is my opinion on this piece. I've been out here 30 years. Okay, I don't need a couple of representatives, a couple of senators, rep- representatives to tell me and, and try to give me any kind of um, easy go at trucking, let's say. Okay, I don't ask for special treatment out here. None of us women, and this has, go on the group Truckers Haven and look for this article by NCDL Life. I haven't pulled up the comments, but us women that have been out here over 10 years and longer are pissed, are pissed about this bill because of the fact it reflects on us that we're asking for special treatment, preferential treatment, and that's crap. We don't ask for preferential treatment. I started in 1988, and yeah, I'm hot. If you can't figure it out, I am hot about this crap. She needs to stick her damn nose back in Wisconsin where the hell she belongs and keep her damn nose out of trucking. She knows nothing about trucking. She, I don't think she's ever been in a damn truck. She, Miss Baldwin, can you can come and ride with me and see what the hell I do. I have been in this damn industry for 30 cotton-picking years. I've been out here when drivers would slap me on the ass or would hit on me or tell me, hey, you can't handle the job, can't handle the heat, get the hell back in the kitchen where the hell you belong. If you were um, stayed at home, with your old man, he wouldn't be screwing around on you. You wouldn't believe the, the hell that I went through in 30 years 
all the male counterparts saying that I should stay home and barefoot and pregnant and every damn thing else when I started out here. You learn to keep your mouth shut and do your job. We don't ask for no damn special treatment. We don't need Congress sticking their nose into trucking any further than it already is. And more goddamn legislation. It's bad enough where you can't find a damn place to park. And they're going to be crying because they broke a goddamn nail? Excuse my language. Oh, I can't do this because I'm not strong enough? I need a stepladder and all this crap? Try to make uh, trucking more women-friendly. Bullshit. They're going after 18-year-olds in California in high school. Teaching them how to drive a damn truck. Yeah, that's like, that's all we need out here. Some more guy do wonder why the hell we have wrecks like we do. Really? Senator Baldwin and, and Representative Moran? Really? There is no damn trucking shortage. Tell the damn mega carriers to quit buying fleets of trucks at one time. And then U.S. Express is touting how they're got 100% turnover every year. Start paying us more. Quit dropping the damn freight rates. We got so damn many trucks, they're parking on the sides of the road. They're parking in way stations. They're parking on ramps and everything. They're parking on the side of the interstate to take a 30-minute damn break because they don't know how to trip plan. Start opening up these schools and having the damn students go to school longer so they learn something out here and not for a week. And they'd get in a truck after 14 days. And then you wonder why the heck you have the wrecks that you do. Worry about the wrecks and the damn parking and our wages. Not worry about piling some more damn drivers into this doggone industry. Enough of my rant. Now I greatly, greatly appreciate all of you to tune in every week to listen to the cafe. If you are new and you'd like to check us out, at the bottom of the podcast episode on a website at juliastruckatcafe.com, I have links that I have listed where you could find me other places like iHeartRadio, YouTube, Apple Podcast, and many more. Also, I have a tab on the website of where else to find the podcast. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to join our discussion group at Julius Truckhead Cafe Regulars, where we can talk about this. Give me your opinions on this. I will post this article in that discussion group. Let me know what the heck you think. On the website, under everything's listed under Cafe Menu. And under that Cafe Menu, you will find Cooking in Your Truck, where I share recipes and videos. You'll find a page of Stupid Shit That Drivers Do, our privacy policy, and please sign up for our newsletter where I will send you the show notes every week into your inbox. So every, if you want to find out what's going on in the trucking industry, listen to my show to stay in the know. I greatly appreciate all of you. Please keep the shiny side up and stay safe out there. And until next time. You have been listening to Julia's Truckin' Cafe Truckin' News Hour. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Take care. Have a blessed day.